couple of things that I want to do this morning. We want to conclude by praying for the Bell family. But in times when our emotions are running wild and our mind is filled with so many thoughts and our heart is trying to find an anchor, how many of you have discovered that God's word is a solid rock? And that we can trust him. And so for a few moments, I'm going to try to push some of my emotions aside and share with you from the Word of God. Really, I want to talk to you about, and my message about a piece of property that I've held a clear title deed to for 56 years. I didn't buy this property. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased this with a tremendous sacrifice. I'm not holding this property for speculation or sale since the title is not transferable. I've never seen this property, but I've been given assurance that it's not a vacant lot. So for more than a half a century, I've been sending materials out of which the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building my future home. <clears throat> It'll never need to be remodeled or repaired. It's going to suit me personally, perfectly. It's never going to grow old. Termites will never undermine its foundation because it rests on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. It's a gated community like none you've ever seen. No locks or bolts will be placed upon its doors because no thieves or vile person will ever enter in to take possession. It's where I will abide in peace eternally without fear of being rejected or ejected. My heart is singing hallelujahs today. It's getting nearer and closer by the day. And I'm aware that I may have to pass through many deep valleys, heartaches and sorrows, shadows, between here in San Antonio and that place that I'm on a journey to. But I'm not afraid because the best friend that I've ever had went through that same valley and he's removed all the fear from my heart. He's never left me since he came into my life 56 years ago. And today I hold in my hands the solid promise that he will never, ever forsake me or leave me alone. And whatever my dark valley of shadows comes my way on my journey to this city of gold, I will not lose my way because he's my guide. I think most of you know that I'm talking about Jody's future home and all of ours. I'm talking to you about heaven. Maybe we don't talk enough about heaven in these days, in this materialistic comfortable culture that we live in, I think that all of us need to pause and remember that we're just pilgrims. We're on a soul journey. We're not, we're not going to abide here forever. 
We're just passing through. Listen to three things that Jesus tells us about your future home. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And one little verse from Hebrews 13 and 14, verse 14. For there is no permanent city for us here on earth. We're looking for a city which is to come. It might interest you to know that over 500 times in the Bible, heaven is mentioned. The Bible describes the three different kinds of heaven. The first heaven is the atmospheric heaven, the sky. The second heaven is the stratospheric, it's the stellar or celestial heaven. And then the third heaven is the divine heaven, it's the throne of God. A great songwriter some years ago penned the lines, and many of us from years ago remember singing its words. The, the verse says, there's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Here in John 14, now, in the previous chapter, Jesus has celebrated the Passover with his disciples, commemorated the Lord's Supper, designated Judas, identified him as a betrayer, told Peter that he would deny him three times, washed the feet of the disciples, and gave to them a new commandment of love. And then in chapter 14, after Jesus had eaten his last meal with his disciples before going to the cross, he tells them in these verses that I've read in your hearing three things about heaven. First of all, heaven is a place. Second, heaven is a prepared place. And thirdly, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Really not so profound, but think with me just for a moment on this. First of all, heaven is a real place. As we look closely at the words of Jesus, according to him, heaven is a genuine, real place. And now Jesus doesn't go into a lot of details about heaven, but he did call it a place where he was going and from which he would return. And it would be a place that he would take with him all that the Father had placed in his hands. It is a real place. This is reinforced by some of the words that Jesus spoke previously. In John 6 and verse 38, he said that he had come down from heaven. In his Sermon on the Mount, he taught all of us that we should pray, Our Father, which art, in heaven 
In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, it tells us that Jesus, after he had performed his great work of redemption on the cross, that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. And then in Luke chapter 24 and verse 51, just before the ascension of Jesus back into heaven, it says, Luke records that while he blessed them, he was carried up into heaven. See, some say and they think that heaven is simply a state of the mind. I'm here to tell you, heaven is a real place. It's not imaginary. It's not pie in the sky in the sweet by and by. Heaven is spoken of in scripture as a home, as a house, as a city, as a country. It's a place, a real, literal place. I think we need to think more about it and talk more about it, even as Americans. You know, Paul sort of expresses our own limitations when he said, this is an interesting statement he makes in 2 Corinthians 12 and 2. I was caught up into heaven, in the third heaven, 14 years ago, whether I was in my body or just in my spirit, I don't know, only God knows. But I do know that I was caught up into paradise and I heard things so astounding that they can't be told. The New King James says I heard things inexpressible words. Heaven is a real place. In addition to that, keep in mind, heaven is, a, is not only a real place, it's a prepared place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Do you realize what a compliment that this pays to the child of God? That our God, our Savior, wants to be with us. Think about that. The carpenter of Nazareth. The creator of the universe, he has gone to prepare an eternal place for you and for me and for Jody. The meaning of this passage is very clear. Christ has gone before us to prepare an abiding place. And what a place it's going to be. Just a little note of humor. I heard about the old couple that they had been married for a long time. Both of them died and went to heaven together. Peter was standing there at the pearly gates and said, let me show you your mansion. And he opened, and they could not believe the beauty, the absolute luxury, the incredible beauty of it all. And the old man, he looked at Peter, he said, how much does it cost to spend a night here? Peter said, sir, this is heaven. It doesn't cost anything, everything's free in heaven. Then Peter took them over to the dining room table and he looked and saw piled high with all the most delicious food you could imagine again overwhelmed by the glory and wonder of it he said how, how much do you have to pay for these meals Peter said look you forget this is heaven it's all free Peter then took him out back and he showed him the big beautiful fantastic golf course that man stood there with his mouth open and Peter turned to him he said now look before you ask I just want to remind you there are no green fees this is heaven everything is free the old man looked over at his wife. He said, you and your confounded brand muffins, I could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> Some of you, Brother Samuel, appreciate this. There was that popular televangelist. He arrived at the door of heaven. All of a sudden, a little old woman, she come rushing in front of him, and Peter opened the door and said, bye. We're so glad to see you. And 
he showed this little old woman her magnificent mansion. It was unbelievable in all of its beauty. He said, we've been waiting and working this, on this mansion. Boy, a big smile broke out upon this televangelist's face. He thinks, well, if this old woman gets a mansion like that, what am I going to get? With that, Peter points out a little modest house sitting over on the hillside. <laughs> and he said, hey, hey, th th that, that's for you. Hey, the old guy said, look, I don't understand. She gets this beautiful mansion, and I've been preaching for years, and, and all I get is this little house. Peter said, listen, preacher, this little old woman has scared more people out of hell with her driving than you ever have with any of your preaching. <laughs> Listen to John's description of this prepared place. It's in Revelation 21. The, fountains of the, the foundations of the city wall were beautifully decorated with all kinds of gems. The first foundation was gray quartz, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald. The fifth onyx, the sixth red quartz, the seventh yellow quartz, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth green quartz, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth a mist. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate was made of one pearl. The street of the city was made of pure gold, as clear as glass. Whew. See, just the beauty of that city is beyond our imagination. Incidentally, true story, I read of a man that had visited a distinguished art gallery, studio, and he found this famous artist there with an open Bible in front of him, and he turned to the passage right here that I've read to you in Revelation chapter 21, and at the same time he was arranging squares of colored glass. The artist looked at him and said, I have made a singular discovery. These are the precious stones in the foundation of the New Jerusalem. And when they're placed in the order described in the vision, they form a perfect harmony of color. He said if we were together a convention of artists and called them to produce a perfect colored scheme, they could not and would not improve upon this. See, John tells us in Revelation that heaven its streets of gold, gates of pearl, a great white throne that's surrounded by a rainbow that looks like an emerald. On the throne sets the Lamb of God, and the throne is surrounded by 24 thrones with 24 elders dressed in white robes and golden crowns on their heads. And in front of the throne, there's a sea of glass like crystal. And there's a river, the water of life, that flows from the throne of God and through the streets of heaven. And on each side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits. And then he describes heaven. It's, it's an enormous, it's a large place, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high, made of jasper with its foundation adorned with 12 precious jewels. How many of you know today that God loves beauty? Yeah. Or he wouldn't have put so much beauty even in this world. Who do you think painted the butterfly and his wings with all of its gorgeous hues? Who thought up the sunrises and the sunsets that we see here in South Texas? Who do you think put the blue in the bluebird and the red in the cardinal bird? Who taught the raindrop to take a ray of light 
from the sun and pencil it on the sky in one huge arch of bewildering elegance. Who made the maple trees up here in Garner State Park look like they're on fire in the fall? Who do you think made the brilliant colors that are found in the fish? Some of the fish so deep that most of our human eyes have never seen them, and yet God put them there and gave them their color. But then John not only tells us what heaven looks like, he tells us seven things that's not in heaven. It's right here in this chapter. Have you ever read them? There's seven no mores. Look at them. Verse 1, Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more. Here's the first one. No more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. No sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. List those seven no mores. No more seas. Remember, what seas? It's the oceans, the rivers, the seas of the earth that have divided the nations and the peoples. And when he comes, there will be no more divisions, neither by race, ethnic background, not, not by language. One people washed in his blood. And there will be no more tears. All tears and crying wiped away. No more death from the Garden of Eden with the death of Abel murdered by his brother. The entire human race to this present day has been one long funeral dirge of heartache and death. Think of the heartache and the goodbyes. But there will be no more death. And then thirdly, there will be no more sorrow. And uh, fifthly, there will be no more pain. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that our heavenly bodies will not know corruption and dishonor or decay. See, what that means is unlike this physical bodies, they will never grow old with age. They will never grow weak or experience decay. Neither will they be susceptible as our bodies are now to infirmity and disease. They will be glorious bodies, powerful bodies. These new heavenly bodies will not be limited to time and space. In short, they're beyond our ability to comprehend what kind of a, a body that is. No more pain, no more suffering. You know, I heard Joni Erickson, and most of you know who I'm speaking of. She's at quadriplegic uh, as a result of, uh, what was it, a diving accident, swimming accident, almost 40 years ago now. And all the pain, the heartache that she's known in these years. And she said sometime back, listen to what she said. Heaven has become my heart's home. It's the place where I will finally belong. It's the place where I will get a brand new body. See, heaven's going to be the place where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. And then she went on and said, in the world's finale, something so glorious is going to happen that it will atone for every single tear we've ever cried. 
God is going to give to us the key that will make sense out of what now seems to be such senseless suffering. Heaven is going to be a place of no more disappointment, no more grief, but joy, heaven's joy. No wonder Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, finally, John said here, not only will there be none of these, no more sorrow, no more pain. He says, sixthly, there will be no more night. In fact, verse 23 said, the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day nor by night. There's no night there. See, this description that John gives of heaven, it almost sounds like supernatural science fiction, except the portrayal of it, 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 it goes far beyond that. God says that there'll be the time we'll no longer depend upon nature or what he created, the sun or the moon. We're told that there's, there will be no sun or moon. In other words, what allows us to see no longer will be the creation. It will be God himself. And then he closes by saying, and there'll be no more curse. Verse 3 of Revelation 22, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. How many of you are glad there's going to be no more curse? And then Jesus said one last thing, and I close with this. Not only is heaven a real place, and it's a prepared place, but heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. It's people that know they're right with God. And we will be united with all of the saints of the ages, united with loved ones that have died and gone on before. But all of this depends upon the one thing that John said in Revelation. He describes, he says something. He said, there's a book of life. And whose ever name is written in that book of life will be in that city. I want to tell you something. 56 years ago, I got my name in that book of life when I personally surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I know my name is there. I've checked it out today. I've talked to the owner of it. And how many of you know that we better keep our bags packed and our passport validated and know that we're right with him and ready to meet him? Did you notice, let me close, did you notice what Jesus said in the end of these verses in chapter 14? Jesus said, now you know the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? I can almost imagine Jesus is thinking, boy, Thomas, am I glad you've asked me this. <laughs> I am the way. Not one of the ways. I am the truth. Not just some of the truth. He's the embodiment of truth. I am the life. Not just some of the life. And notice that Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Wow, 
I know this may not sound politically correct, but I want to tell you something. It's real easy whether you know whether you're ready for that place. What have you done with Jesus? Is he your personal Lord and Savior? Have you accepted him? Are you living in the light of his love and his grace? Have you surrendered your heart to the Lord? The Bible tells us very plain. Let me tell you something. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, the closest that you'll ever be to heaven is right here today. Because this is all you're going to ever know. But for the child of God and for every one of us that are here and your hearts may be filled with sorrow. This is the worst of hell that you'll ever experience. The sorrow and the heartache of the loss of a loved one. This is as bad as it's ever going to be. Because for the person that knows Jesus Christ, best is yet to come. Oh. It's a prepared place for prepared people. Close your eyes with me just for a moment. Lord, you search the hearts of men you know all of us here today. Even as we heard Psalms 23 this morning, begins, the Lord is my shepherd. Perhaps there's those here right now that you're not their shepherd. The psalmist said that your goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life and that we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All of that promise is to those who have made you the shepherd and the king of their life. And I pray, Lord, right now that if there's any listening, we have no question, Lord, about Jody's future home. Her last breath here was her first breath in glory. We know that the only one who got to the gate of glory before her beloved David was Jesus. And those gates swung wide open because her name is written in the book of life. I pray for every man and woman, every young person that's in this building today Lord, they've never really totally surrendered to you. Oh, God, don't let them miss heaven by 18 inches, the distance between their head and their heart. Theoretically, intellectually, they, they give mental assent to the reality of Christ, but they've never personally opened their hearts to you. Let this be the day right now, I pray in Jesus' name. I wonder how many of you just keep your head bowed and eyes closed. You'd say, preacher... David Cook, I, I, that's me today. I don't know if I'm prepared to meet Jesus Christ. Slip your hand up wherever you're sitting in this building. I want to pray for you just before we close this service. Anywhere in this building, you'd say, hey, that, that, that's me. I'm, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? You'd say, yes, that, that, that's me. I don't know if I'm ready to meet him. 
I want everyone to stand. I want us all to pray this prayer. Those of you that raise your hands, I want you to pray this from the depth of your heart right now. Let's all just repeat this prayer out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the great hope that we have in knowing our God. And today we receive you as our Savior and Lord. Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my life today. Give me that personal relationship with you and that hope of heaven. I thank you for it even now. In Jesus' name, amen.